Well, it's January in Minneapolis, and we are freezing, so talking about modesty seems uh, a little untimely, but perhaps uh, an off-season conversation is a good time to go deeper into the heart of the concerns. In any case, God talks about modesty, so I guess the topic is really never out of season. And uh, the specific question today comes from an honest, uh, anonymous listener to the podcast who writes this. Pastor John, thank you for this podcast and for your honesty. I will speak honestly here. I am a 22-year-old single woman consumed with my physical appearance and how pretty others think I am. God is definitely working on me, though, because I don't buy clothes or other material things nearly as much as I used to, and he's also given me a desire to dress modestly. But I still care a lot about how I look, and I find it hard to buy modest clothing because I think more revealing clothing is sexier. I trust in my looks to get me a husband more than God. I think that's the root of the issue for me. I continuously look for compliments, and when I do get one, my ego is fed, and when I don't get one, my ego craves more attention. I hate judging myself and others on their physical appearance. It's tiring, disgusting, and not at all pleasing to the Lord. I don't want to be like the women in Isaiah 3, verses 16 to 26. Can you help me know how to cultivate beauty in my heart and in my faith in God alone? One of the things that our 22-year-old friend does not tell us is what she spends her time feasting her eyes on. So I would just say as a kind of preempting strike at a stream that feeds the river of sensuality, if you are spending hour after hour watching television, movies, videos, there's little hope that you will be set free from the bondage of wanting to look sexy. And it is a bondage. You've described it as one. Because that desire, that bondage, is continuously fed and strengthened, both blatantly and subtly, in almost all advertisements and programming. Just when you think you have found a program that might not awaken that desire, There's that one scene, and the whole month's worth of mortifying sin is undone in a moment. So let's take the words of Jesus. I don't know how many women do this, but we all should. I mean, men don't have to take this because it's addressed to us directly. It's our issue. But women should do this. Let's take the words of Jesus that are addressed to men in, in Matthew 5, 27 to 29, and convert them into appropriate language for women. And believe me, and T- Tony would vouch for this, I think, based on the questions we're getting at APJ, there are major sexual temptation issues going on for women as well as men of all kinds. Yeah, for sure. Here's what Jesus would say if, if he had said those words today. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, you women. You, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that every woman who looks at a man or a woman with sexy outfit or a kissing scene on television or who reads about sexual intercourse in a novel or listens to one on Audible or does anything else that feeds the desire to lure a man's eyes with sexiness has already committed adultery in her heart. 
He's going to be just as blunt with women as he is with us guys, surely. If your right eye causes you to sin, woman, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body would be thrown into hell. Jesus says that to men and women. Now, when Jesus says, tear out your eye, surely he at least means stop using the eye to feed the desire. It it may not be possible to avoid every sin awakening sight in our culture, but it is possible to keep dozens of them out of your eye, and it is possible to set before you worthy things, holy things, beautiful things, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Surely Paul said that in Philippians 4, 8 because of the principle garbage in, garbage out, or sexy in, sexy out. The, the principle here is find the streams that are feeding the river of sensual desire and cut it off. Our friend says, but I still care a lot about how I look and find it hard to buy modest clothing because I think more revealing clothing is sexier. Well, of course, revealing clothing is sexier. So then the question is, why would you want to offer your sexiness to every passerby? And she suggests part of the answer in the next sentence. She says, I trust in my looks to get me a husband more than I trust in God. That's the root issue, I think. And my response to that is, personally, I doubt it. I doubt that's the root issue, since there are many married women who intend to stay married who try to look sexy for everybody to see. And there are many single women who have no intention of getting married anytime soon who also try to look sexy for everybody to see. So I doubt that the desire for a husband is the root issue. But let me say something about that, but since she raised it, and that's obviously a big issue for her, the guy you are attracting by sexiness is not the guy you want to marry. And I'm going to repeat it. The guy you are attracting by sexiness is not the guy you want to marry. Jesus is telling the guy you want to marry to tear out his eye instead of looking at you when you dress like that. That's not going to work. Of course, sexy is power. And that's, that's closer to the root issue, isn't it? Many women know that revealing more skin gets them more power. But here's the catch. Of course, there's more power in sexiness if... You want to pull a man by his hormones and not his heart. Let me be more crass, okay? It's okay to be crass here on this issue. There's more power in sexiness if your aim is to hook a man in his groin and not his godliness. Of course, this is not rocket science. That's not the way you want to find a husband. Please, it's not. Trust me, 22-year-old. You're my daughter, Here's another sentence that goes deeper, I think. She got this one. It goes deeper than, than the desire for a husband. And this is the heart of the matter. She says, I continuously look for compliments. And when I do get one, my ego is fed. And when I don't get one, my ego craves attention. Now that's 
right, and it's not unique to women. John Piper is as vulnerable to that as anybody. It is utterly and deeply human. It is very near the core of what makes us a fallen sinner. The Pharisees, Jesus said, lived for the approval and praise of other people, and he called it one of those deadly dispositions in the world and said in John 5, 44, that it'll keep you from believing in Jesus. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from God. John 5, 44, one of the most damning sentences in the Bible for those who live for the praise of other people because it cuts them off from what it means to embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord and treasure. Paul said in Romans 2, 28, that true Christianity is not outward and physical, but inward, a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, and for the true Christian, Here's the key sentence. His praise is not from man, but from God. Oh, God, let it be for all of us. This is the core issue in life. Where is this woman's hope for acceptance and love and affirmation and significance and satisfaction? Where is it? Sometimes when we we read about the, the beauty that first Peter calls for, Um, against superficial external beauty. We stop reading just before we get to the key verse 5 in chapter 3. Here's what I mean. Here's what he says. This is verse 3 of chapter 3 in 1 Peter. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing that you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And that's where we often stop. Here's what happens if you keep going. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. And then it ends to say you can be like these holy women. You are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Fearless hope in God. That's the great need of men and women. God is 10,000 times greater than any husband. His look of approval and favor is 10,000 times more valuable than the glance of any hormone-heated man in an airport or any woman who says, cute outfit. Oh, how wonderful and satisfying and significant is the identity that God offers us in Jesus. So I'm saying, I wish I knew her name, but I'm just saying to our friend, our 22-year-old honest friend who represents thousands, ask the Lord to make this, what I'm going to close reading right now, this text, ask him to make this deeply, personally, even sexually sufficient. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine because you are precious in my eyes and honored. I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not. I am with you. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Isaiah 43, 1 to 7.
Powerful. I mean, lots to think about, Pastor John. Thank you for addressing modesty with uh, this bluntness and uh, the straightforwardness. And thank you for listening. And thank you for making the podcast part of your week. You can subscribe to our audio feeds and search our past episodes in our archive. You can reach us by email with a question you may have, even questions that relate to more controversial dimensions of, of the Christian life. You can do all that through our online home at desiringgod.org forward slash ask Pastor John. Well, do non-Christians ever please God? Do they ever honor him? Or is this simply impossible? It's the question on Friday. It's a big one. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thanks for listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast. We'll see you then.